Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Fellowship Church. The title of today's message is What Are You Expecting? I believe every time that we join together that God meets with us. I believe that these times where we come together and we worship him, that his presence is with us. In fact, Jesus promises us that. He says, when two or more gather in my name, there I am with them. That is a wonderful promise. And I believe our God is good and he wants to do amazing work in your life. So I get excited about these Sunday mornings when we come together as a church family because I'm expecting God to do a great work, not in just our church's life, but in my life personally. Do you believe that for yourself? Yeah. So I wonder, what are you expecting? That's the title of today's message. What are you expecting? In fact, turn to the person next to you and ask them that question. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how great you are. We thank you for your love for us. And I pray right now uh, that you would help us see ourselves and see our church the way that you see us. And God, we pray that our expectations would line up directly in line with what you tell us they should be. Uh, God, we don't want um, to be cut short on anything that you want to give us. So help us, God, uh, today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember several years ago, Amelie and I took our daughters to SeaWorld, and we were down in Florida doing the whole Disney thing. Our, our girls were much younger, and they didn't know what SeaWorld was. So we told them it's going to be really cool. Uh, it, it's just a little bit different. But they were like, Dad, can't, can't we go back to Disney? And I'm thinking, good Lord, we've been, I can't take any more Disney. I can't take any more Mickey Mouse. Four days of it, that's enough. You know? So I needed something different, a change of scenery. So we said, no. We're going to check out SeaWorld today. It's going to be amazing. And the girls are, you can tell, they're not like, they're not sad. They're not totally put out, but they didn't know what to expect. So they were just kind of a little bit down. We're like, girls, this is going to be cool. And, and we, we go through the check-in and we buy tickets and they're just kind of looking around. They seem a little bit bored and we're like, girls, this is going to be cool. And, and we kept telling them that, but they didn't, didn't really know what was going on. Now, I remember the look on both of their faces when we came into the main stadium at SeaWorld and it was it was like perfect timing because right as we came in where you could see uh, the, the entire area, one of the big killer wells jumped and splashed and both of my girls like got wide-eyed <gasps> and they looked at me like, dad, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I know, what were you expecting? <laughs> I told you this whole time it was going to be amazing, but then I realized, you know what, they didn't know what to expect. So I needed to help them understand a little bit of what to expect so they could get more out of this whole experience. So I told them, listen, girls, there's wild animals here. <laughs> there's whales here and dolphins here and seals and walruses. We're going to see a bunch of shows, but in between the shows, we're going to ride roller coasters and we're going to have so much fun. It's going to be amazing. And then our girls were so excited, but they didn't get the, the full experience until they started to understand a little bit of what to expect. In fact, anytime you know more of what to expect, you get more out of the experience. 
And that question, I had to ask them, what are you expecting? I think it's a good question that we should ask ourselves when it comes to our walk with God and when it comes to church. What are you expecting when you come to church? Are you getting the most out of the experience? Because if you know what to expect, you can get more out of it. And I think it's important that we ask ourselves that question. In fact, today, we're going to take a look at a man by the name of Jacob. And Jacob had an encounter with God, we see in Genesis chapter 28. And then in this story, after he has this encounter with God, he recognizes a couple things happen that changed his expectations. And now he expects that these things are going to happen anytime he comes into God's house. Anytime he meets with the Lord, these are the things he expects to happen. So I want to go ahead and dive right in and read this story. Again, it's Genesis 28. We're going to start in verse 10. It says this. So Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set and then taking one of the stones. Now think of the symbolism of this because the Bible describes over and over again, it calls Jesus the chief cornerstone. So it says, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and, and laid down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. So, so this is going to represent something. In fact, we're going to see in a moment it represents someone. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land which you are lying. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever, wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord in this, is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. He, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head. Now watch the symbolism again. And he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God. He called the place Bethel, and though the city used to be called Luz. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me in, on this journey I am taking, then I will, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return to my father's house, safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be, will be God's house. This is actually the beginning of the church here. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So here in Genesis 28, we see the birth of the church. I know what a lot of you are thinking. You think, well, wait, it's actually Acts chapter 2 which talks about the birth of the church. Well, that's the birth of the New Testament church. But really, we see the first picture of God's house here when, when Jacob has an encounter with God that's so powerful that he names this place Bethel. Because the word Bethel in the original language actually means the house of God. Beth means the house and El means God, the house of of God. So what we see in this story is in this encounter with, uh, that Jacob has with God, a couple things happen. 
He said, because of these things happening, that is evidence that this is the house of God. This is church. So the question we're asking today was, what are you expecting? What are you expecting when it comes to church? What are you expecting when it comes to meeting at the house of God? Well, we can pull a couple things out of this passage right now that will show us what we should expect so that we can get the most out of church, so that we can get the very most out of our experience. Because the truth is, when I took my girls to SeaWorld, um, I, I took them there, and it would have been very easy that if I just let them do what they wanted to do without knowing what to expect, we probably just would have walked in through the gate, went to the gift shop for a while, and then left. And we would have missed out on all the good stuff because they didn't know what to expect. Well, God loves us so much. He gives us these pictures and these, these stories, these accounts uh, of other men and women who have come in contact with him so that we can learn of what to expect when we come in contact with him. So I want to give you a couple really uh, quick points this morning. There's just three points to this message, but I believe it'll be helpful for every one of us so that when we come to church, we know exactly what we should expect every time we gather together. So number one, this is what to expect when we come to the house of God, to the church. Number one, we should expect that church is a connection. Church is a connection. It's a, it's a place where you connect with God. When you come to church, you should connect with God. See, you, if you come and you hear good music, and you come and you hear good teaching, I mean, let's be honest, great teaching. <laughs> but if you come and you hear good music, and you hear good teaching, and, and you don't connect with God, then, then really you didn't experience what God wants us to experience at church. You didn't experience what God wants us to experience in the house of God. There should be a connection with God every time we meet together. In fact, this is one of the reasons why Jacob called the place Bethel is because it was a place where he connected with God. See, verse 12 said this. It said, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. So he's got this connection with God. I think it's so cool because uh, there's so many Old Testament stories that have a New Testament confirmation. It's talked about it again. It really goes full circle to help us understand exactly what it is that God's trying to teach us. And we see that the New Testament confirmation of this story from Genesis 28 is found in John chapter 1. And in John 1, Jesus is talking and, and he refers to the story. First off, what's taking place is Jesus uh, meets a man named Philip, and, and Philip, after he encounters Jesus and, and learns from Jesus, is completely transformed by him, changed by him, recognizes this is the Son of God. My life's not going to be the same anymore. I am forever changed. And, and he does what so many of us have experienced once our life has been transformed by Jesus. He says, it's not good enough for me to have this information to myself. I need to share it with the people I love. So he goes running off and he's like, I gotta tell my family members about this. I gotta tell my friends about this because you need to know Jesus too. I love you and I don't want you to miss out on this. I don't want you to miss out on eternal life with Jesus in heaven. So you gotta come with me. You gotta meet Jesus. And I know there's so many of us, you've done exactly that. You don't have all the answers figured out. You, you don't got it all together, but you encountered Jesus and he began transforming your life. And now you're going and you're telling people, you're like, you gotta come with me and you gotta, you gotta learn about Jesus because he's changing my life. And, and there are people that look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And, and this is exactly what's happening to Philip. Philip's like, Nathaniel, you gotta come with me. And Nathaniel's like, I don't know. 
I don't know about that. But finally, he talks to his brother Nathaniel into coming and meeting Jesus. And when they were coming up in verse 47, when Jesus, this is John 1, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Nathaniel's surprised by this. Like, have we met? Like, how are you now? I'm just coming to meet you for the first time, and you already know what, what's going on in me. You're talking about what's going on on the inside of me right now. This, this blew his mind. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So just because of this quick encounter he has with Jesus, he immediately puts his faith and his trust in him. He's like, I, I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God. So Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. In other words, watch out. I'm about to blow your mind. If you're, if you're going to put your trust in me, when, when you just first start to recognize me a little bit, if, if you, you trust me there, then I'm going to start revealing some things to you that are absolutely blow your mind. And this is what he said. Then he added, I tell you the truth. Now he's about to reveal something so beautiful about himself. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wow. He's... See, every Israelite would know the story of Jacob's ladder. They would know the story of this stairway to heaven, this connection to heaven. And now that, that Nathaniel has put his trust in Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to reveal something to you that you need to understand. And that's that connection to heaven. That's me. I'm the ladder. I'm the connection to heaven. I, if you want to know how to get to earth, from earth to heaven, the, the only answer is Jesus. He said, I'm it. Like, that's why you can come to church and you, you can experience just listening to music or you can experience just listening to a sermon. And, and if you're not connecting with Jesus, um, you're missing it. You're saying, I feel so far away from heaven. I feel so far away from what God would have me. And it's because Jesus is saying, listen, there's only one way to connect to heaven, and that's through me. I, I am the ladder. I'm the only way to get there. He's saying, don't miss this. I'm your connection. you got to understand, you can come to church and be unaware that you can connect with God. It, it's so easy to... Uh, be in an atmosphere where something's taking place around you and other people are aware of the presence of God. Other people are, are seeing things clearly and, and yet we just haven't opened our eyes to it yet. We're not aware of it yet. I remember the first time my father took me camping up in the mountains here in Colorado. I was born in Texas, I was a flatlander, and then I was redeemed, we moved to the mountains. Thank you, Jesus. So. Uh, Camping here is a lot different than camping in Texas. There's animals and all sorts of fun stuff. So I remember the first time we went up into the mountains to camp, we set the tent up. We were next to a lake. It was beautiful. And I remember it started getting cold that night. So we got in the tent, and the cold front that came in brought an inch of snow. So I thought this was amazing. I'm so pumped. Like, this is a new adventure. I'm excited about this. Well, and the next morning when we unzipped the tent and came out, I was blown away by what I saw. Because not only was there just an inch of snow on the ground all around us, I looked around and noticed there were tracks in the snow all around us. In fact, not just one or two, there were dozens of deer tracks surrounding our tent. 
and all over the place. And, and all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, I, I wasn't aware of the fact that there were deer around us, but now I'm acutely aware of the fact that there's deer around us. So we started looking. And now we're looking, we're going, oh, look, sure enough, in the trees over there, there's, there, there's a doe and a couple fawns. Over there, there's a buck. There's deer all around us. And see, I wasn't aware, but then I became aware. Just as Jacob was saying, well, I wasn't aware of it, but surely God is in this place. And a lot of times, we can experience that when it comes to being a church, where you come in and and you're not necessarily aware of what's taking place around you. You're not really aware of his presence. And sometimes it's because we get our minds so busy with so many other things. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about what we're going to do later on today. And you can come in here and then, have you ever just been surprised by his presence? Where it's like you're, you're just here and the people are singing songs around you and you're worshiping and all of a sudden it's like, I decide I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean in too. I'm gonna start worshiping too. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, I, I'm aware now God's presence in the, is in this place. I wasn't aware before, but I'm aware now. And it might be during someone's prayer. It might be while we're reading a, a Bible passage or, uh, or, or during a certain worship song. But, but you can move from being completely unaware of his presence to now I'm aware of it. And when you're aware of it, you go, wait a minute, I want to connect to my God. Because we see that what Jacob said about Bethel, about the house of God, is he recognized it to be in the house of God because it's where he connected with God. And I wonder... Do you come in expecting to connect here? It's so sad to me when, when, I, when I meet people that don't know what to expect when they come to church. And they come to church because it's just like, well, my grandmother told me I was supposed to go to church. So I go to church and I show up a little bit late and leave a little bit early. And it's like we feel like we're getting a gold star on a poster or something like that because we made it to church on a Sunday. And when all the while God is waiting here to connect with us. He said, this is, this is a place where my people gather together and I'm going to meet with you in a very special way here in this place. Can he meet with you in other ways? Absolutely he can. But when we come to the house of God, one of the first things we should always expect is to connect to our God. The second thing we should expect when we come here to the house of God is that, that church first is a connection and then second, church is a conversation. Church is a conversation. Once you connect with God, God wants to speak to you. But see, a conversation is not one-sided. He, he doesn't just want to speak to you. He wants you to speak back to him. See, as a man, this was something that was a little bit difficult for me to learn going into marriage because as a guy, I can hang out with other dudes and all day long, we won't say another word to each other, right? In fact, some of the guys I hang out with, it's good that we don't say a word to each other. I don't want to hear what they got to say, you know? But it's funny because as guys, we, you could spend time with someone and not even talk and, and you're comfortable. Now, then I married a woman and women are completely different because women will talk to you all day long. And you go out on a date and she's talking and talking and talking. She's not in this service, so I can say this, okay? <laughs> don't tell her, don't tell her. She's at the nine o'clock. But, <laughs> but a woman will talk to you all day long and this is what was shocking to me. I learned as a young husband is that it's not good enough just for them to talk. They expect you to talk back. <laughs> because a day can go by where, where, where my wife is talking to me and she's, she continues to talk to me and she's telling me stories. And at the end of the day, she's like, she's like man, are, are we okay? 
What do you mean, are we okay? She's like, because you haven't been talking to me. I'm like, well, you've been talking to me. She's like, well, you got to talk back to me. Are we okay? A conversation is two-sided. And see, we can think, you know, I've read books on meeting my wife's needs, and it talks about the fact that, like, acts of service, cleaning the house, doing the dishes, these are the things my wife wants. These are, like, sexy actions, you know? So I'm in the kitchen scrubbing the dishes and thinking, man, I'm doing a good job. And she's like, why aren't you talking to me? It, it was a confusing thing for me to learn, but really, conversations are never supposed to be one-sided. They're always, they're always a dialogue. So we talk to God and we tell him things like, you know, I love you and, and I'm so thankful, God. Thank you for what you're doing and you're so great and you're so wonderful. We, we speak those things out to him. Then we tell him the things that are on our heart. But we also expect him to talk to us as well. We, we stop and we listen for a little bit. And God will speak to you when you come into the house of God. God will speak to you. In fact, there's a couple different ways that we recognize he speaks to us. Uh, number one, God will speak to us through correction. And man, anytime we hear that, we, we immediately, our society just balks at that. Like, our culture does not like the word correction. We, we immediately take it as punishment. It's a bad thing. But correction's not a bad thing. My, my daughter, Kayla, she loves to cook. She's always baking something. And, um, and I can think of some times when she's been in the kitchen baking, and I've heard my wife walk in and kind of take a look at everything that's going on. She'll say, oh, honey, um, I think that that's supposed to be a cup of sugar, not a cup of salt. And I'll hear something like that, and what did she do? She just corrected Kayla. Well, was that mean? Well, no. She was helping her get the end result that she wanted. Because if Kayla's like, well, no, I want to do it with salt, well, okay, you can do that. But the difference is you're probably not going to get the end result that you want. You can do that, but I don't know if it's really going to work out for you the way that you're hoping. And see, a lot of times God will speak to us correction, where we think, God, I, I want you to help me in my marriage. I want you to, to, to fix my finances. I want you to fix my health. And he'll tell us, okay, th then you need to change something. You go, oh, God, I can't believe you say that. Or is God being mean to us? Because really sometimes, okay, you can do it that way, but you might not get the end result that you want. See, God a lot of times will speak to us correction. There's something to change. Another way he speaks to us is through direction. Well, how is direction different than correction? Di uh, correction is when you need to change something. And God makes us aware that to have the end result you want, you need to change something. Direction is when we're trying to figure out wh which way to go in the first place. Like, what do I need to do? There's so many times when my daughter will cook with Amelie, and the first thing they do is they open up the cookbook, and they say, we need to figure out the directions. What are we supposed to do here? We need to get a pan. We need to get these different ingredients. We need to preheat the oven to this. They figure out what is it that we're supposed to do, and they start looking, how do I do this right? A lot of times we come to church, and that's exactly what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out, God, would you give me direction? I mean, how many times do we come in here and we're asking questions like, God, I don't know if I should take this job or not. I don't know if I should send my kids to this school or this school. I, I don't know if I should move. I don't know if I should stay. God, I don't know what to do. How often do we come in and we're like, God, would you give me some direction? And if we just acknowledge him, the Bible says in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll make it clear. If we come to church and we're saying, God, I don't know what to do. Would you give me direction? It's like we can start to then say, okay, I want to do it your way. And just like my daughter goes into the kitchen and looks for a cookbook to give her directions, God's already given us a cookbook for our lives. 
He's already said, I've given you exactly what you need right here. If you'll just look into it, I've given you because I know I created you and I know what's going to be good for you and what's not going to be good for you. So if you just follow my word, follow what I'm doing. So we, we hear from God through correction. We hear from direction. And then we also hear another way that he speaks to us is through inspiration. Inspiration. God loves to inspire us. There's a lot of times because my daughter Kayla loves to cook that I will hear Amelie call her into the living room and say, look, honey, and she'll have Food Network on. She'll say, look at this, look what they're cooking right now. Doesn't that look good? And she sits down and watches and then Amelie will like start inspiring. You could do that. If they can do that, you could do that. Well, you could do it better than they could. And, and she'll pump her up and then my daughter, she'll get so excited watching the show, she'll run into the kitchen and start trying to do the same thing. She's just receiving inspiration. You're doing a good job, you got it together. A lot of times when we come into God's house, he, he inspires us. He gives us the, the, the confidence we need, the encouragement we need, and he'll tell you things. You, you got it, you're a good father. You're a good mother, you're a good wife. You just keep on keeping on, you're doing it right now. Just keep being faithful, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And, and what does that look like? Sometimes God would say something to you like, you're my son who I'm well pleased. Say, Wait a minute, I thought you said that about Jesus. Well. He did say that about Jesus, but those of us that have a relationship with Jesus, we're in him. We're in Jesus. So God says, we're all his children. So he'd say, you're my daughter, whom I'm well pleased. Keep it up. So every time we come into church, God wants to speak to you. He'll speak to you so many different ways, but it's not just supposed to be a monologue. He wants us to speak back to him as well. I wonder, are you expecting God to speak to you? Are, are you expecting when you come to church, number one, for it to be a connection, number two, a conversation? And then the third point before we leave this morning is every time we come to church, we need to expect that church is a commitment. Church is a commitment. See, Jacob made a commitment. He said, it says this, it says, Jacob made a vow. So basically, God spoke to him, and then Jacob made a commitment to do what God spoke and said, I'm, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going I'm to make a commitment back to him. I'm going to invest in him. And he goes on to even say this in verse 22. It says, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. He said, I'm going to tithe. No one in the scriptures recorded of tithing before Abraham, and then, then Abraham's grandson here says, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, I love God so much. He loves me so much. If he's providing this for me, much for me, I'm going to trust him with my income. So I'm going to give him that tenth back. He says, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and, and since I know that commitment has to be made to my God. I'm going to take the thing that's most precious to me and give it to him. And for all of us, we, we can recognize that that a lot of times what's most precious to us is the stuff that we have, the money we have, the things that we have. So I've come to recognize this, that there's really no commitment until your, your wallet gets involved. And I recognize this because, again, my being married to a woman, I've had to learn a couple things. And I've told you before, I recognize that my wife's recreational preference is shopping, and when I learned this, there was quite a few times I would, I'd go to the store with her and we'd be shopping. We'd be walking through the mall and in hours on end, she'd be looking at different stuff. Look at this shirt. Look at this dress. This isn't amazing. I'm like, that's awesome. She's like, I really, really like this. I'm like, great. Are you going to buy it? And she's like, no. I'm like, why not? She goes, I didn't bring my wallet. <laughs> then what are we doing here? <laughs> like wasting a whole day walking around the mall? Why? Because if you're not willing to get your wallet 
invested, then you're not really committed to what you're doing. And now we have this joke where I'll ask her, I'm like, babe, are you shopping or are you shopping shopping? Because if you're just shopping, you're walking around without a wallet. If you're shopping shopping, you have your wallet with you and you're ready to get something done, (laughs) right? Well, Jesus said it this way. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of people get this concept backwards. We think where our money is, that's, that's where our passion's gonna be in. And really what Jesus is saying, it's the same thing, but he's saying the principle is you put your money where you want your heart to be. Because your heart is going to follow your treasure. And a great example of this would be, you could go through your whole life and never care about the stock market at all. Never care about investments like that. But as soon as you take your money and you put it into a stock, now all of a sudden you recognize you're opening up your computer and you're trying to figure out what's happening to your stock right now. All of a sudden your heart is following where you put your treasure. See, your heart always follows where your treasure is. So with this principle Jesus is teaching us, is saying if, if you want your heart to be more in the ministry work of God, if you want your heart to be in the purposes of God, then that's where your investment needs to be. Put your investment into the ministry work of God and then your heart is gonna follow that. But it's not just about finances, it's about all of our resources. It's about our time, it's about our energy, it's about what we're committed to really. Because we see here, Hebrews 10 says this. Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up in meeting together. He's talking about a commitment of meeting together as a church family. Let us not get up and meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of approaching. See, every Christian needs to commit, not just to, to committing to God financially, but committing of our time. Saying, you know what? Um, I want to commit to the church body because God says it's important. And, and the scripture here warns us that a lot of people get out of the habit it's pretty common for people to say, you know, I want to go to church and then we get out of the habit of being in church. But he's saying, no, it needs to be a commitment where we never get out of this habit. we got to keep encouraging one another. That's why it, it confuses me so much when I hear this. And it's, it's, it's a lie that the enemy has poured into our nation and really a lot into the culture here in Western Colorado because people move to Western Colorado so they can enjoy the outdoors and stuff like that. So there's this lie that the enemy has planted into the minds of a lot of believers where we say things like, Oh, I don't need to go to church. I can meet with God in the mountains. Well, why it's such an effective lie is because there's a little bit of truth in that. And that's what the enemy does. He, he takes a little bit of truth and he, he, he puts it in there with some deception and it, and it can really affect us in such a negative way because the truth is God can meet with you in the mountains. He can meet with you in your car. He can meet with you in your bedroom. He can meet with you in your office. He can meet you with you anywhere. But what the scriptures show us here, what we're being warned against is don't just turn into trying to worship God in the mountains because God wants us to be together as a church body, as the house of God. Why? Because the scripture says to encourage one another. We can also get this mindset where we're, we're very much so, what can the church do for me? So like if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling low, if I'm feeling like I need encouragement, then I need to go to church today for what I can receive. But if the Bible says to encourage one another, there's also times where we need to be going to be an encouragement to one another. Because then you could wake up and you could say, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing good. I don't necessarily need to go to church today. Well, well no. 
Because if we're part of a church body together, if we're the house of God, if we've made a commitment, then it's those times where we feel good, like I'm doing all right. That's the time when we're needed the most to show up and bring encouragement to other people and to pray for people who are going through struggles and to pray for people who are going through seasons like we've been through before. Those are the times where we need to be there ready to help other people that are struggling. See, like I said earlier, it would have been so easy if my daughters were leading the way in SeaWorld for us to miss all the good stuff. You could have just wandered in, so wow, that's kind of neat, and wandered out. And we see here that God doesn't want that to be the experience with the church body. He shows us that every time we come together, we should expect to connect to him. We should expect to have a conversation with him, and we should expect to commit to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you give us this type of information to help us continue to move forward, to not be stagnant, to not get pulled out of what you want for us. So God, I pray right now that you would help us all be people who, who every time we come in here, we come in with great expectations, coming in expecting, I'm gonna hear from God today. I'm gonna connect with him, I'm gonna talk to him, he's gonna gonna talk to me and then I'm expecting, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give him my time, I'm gonna give him my money, I'm I'm gonna give him the gifts that I have. So God, I pray right now that as we leave this place today, we we would leave here understanding more of how you see the church and how we are to be such an integral part of it. So thank you so much for your love for each and every one of us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. I love you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.